0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by David Smoke, host on Sikkim 365 Radio. He joins us on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Utah will be in a drought next summer. Smart Rain knows the 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now pay letter promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check out Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. David, good morning. How are we doing in Utah? We are doing quite well. We are very intrigued by this game. A couple of 5-1 teams ready to face off. And a lot has been made here of uh, Jeff Grimes, former BYU offensive coordinator, going to Baylor, and now the teams know each other and recognize each other's offense. On film, right down in some of the finer points, they've all had Jeff Grimes yell something across the practice field about details or in a film session, so they've all got that ringing in their ears. From the Baylor perspective, how much of a difference has he made?
1: Well, the, the numbers, the stats, the results, they say it all. Um, and Eric Mateos as well, uh, bringing what he brought uh, as an offensive line coach, because those two basically are like they think on the same page. And and I, I, I cannot explain, and I don't know what happens this weekend or going forward, because their schedule will be uh, a tough little uh, slate coming up, you know, with what they have, including with Brigham Young. But... Last year, they could not run the ball at all. I mean, I honestly, they had, I think, after the third game this year, uh, maybe in the fourth game this year, they had as much yards rushing as they had all of last year. Now, they played nine games, and and they were two and seven. They could not run the ball. They could not make a push. They could not get a third and one. They could not get a fourth and one, and they surely weren't going to get a third down in six or seven, and they just didn't have anything, and it was just a mess, and, I don't know if it was because of the lack of spring drills, because of talent, because of uh, a disconnect between Joe Wickline, the previous offensive line coach. I don't know, but, you know, they're, they're five and one. They're a win away. And I know that when you start to be good as a program, uh, under the run that they had under Art Bryles, uh, the first year they became bowl eligible in 2010 was a big deal because it had been 17 years. But they've also had one and eleven and two and seven recently, and so getting Bo eligible is a big deal, and that's what they want to win away from. And and I, I think that's the next step. Now they want to do much more than that, and the whole thing comes down to the fact that Abram Smith, they moved him from linebacker to running back. Uh, they needed that that one cut that wide zone type mentality. They have the talent in Tristan Ebner, uh, Tristan, Tristan excuse me, who could get loose in anything, but. I mean, it's been huge. A- Abram Smith's averaging over seven yards a carry. Uh, he, um, it- it's-, it's mind-boggling. Now, they-, they have to do it week in and week out, but it is mind-boggling. And Oklahoma State kind of roughed them up a little bit two weeks ago, but they have a very, very good front against the run. They, they still broke a long run on fourth down with Abram Smith going, I think, 54 yards. But that combination has been a breath of fresh air. And I think everyone's thrilled with what they've seen, considering they're only six games into what they're doing, although he's been around since early January.
2: I love the fact that through these six games, the quarterback has had zero interceptions. That just stands out big time, taking care of the ball. And I thought for you, you're seeing all the throws. How much are they trying to get it downfield? Is it a bunch of safe passes? What's the reason why he has no interceptions?
1: Well, I think a lot of it is, one, the protection's better, although he's been hit, and he's one of those that will stay in the pocket, Gary Bohannon, until like somebody basically knocks him down. In some cases, you almost wish that he would take off and run. And that's another big change, that they've changed it up because the running game then protects the quarterback in the passing game. He's thrown it around now, and he's had maybe a tip pass or two where he might have gotten fortunate. He's thrown it deep. Last week they had a big quick 75-yard touchdown, but it was probably more of a 15-20-yard play. Tyquan Thornton from Florida uh, turned it, and then boom, he's gone. But they've thrown it deep, and, and that's also a breath of fresh air because they rarely could do that last year as well. Charlie Brewer was not going to be somebody that could sling it, you know, consistently across the field uh, on deep outs, so or he's not going to be able to hit too many post patterns he did early in his career at Baylor but then just started taking so many hits and, and then also the lack of running game and protection but Gary Bohannon can make most every throw I mean that's that's, that's an immediate change this year as well and and, and that's also helped Jeff Grimes and in, in what they're doing on offense but yeah it, it, I didn't even realize that you know I really know that Baylor will also defensively they'll force some turnovers they'll get some picks there's no question, but. I didn't even realize that until somebody brought that up. I'm like, what? But, you know, Gary, this is really the first time he's ever had numerous staff. So he was part of a Matt Rule team on occasion that would come in and do a short yardage. Everyone thought of him more as a wildcat guy. And I mean, they've, they have at times been able to kind of, I don't want to say uh, that the word is not dummy down the offense, because that's unfair to Gary. That's not it at all. They've just kind of been very careful, but then they've opened it up on occasion, and you know, we know that's that's going to change. I mean, they, that, that's an impossible stat. But, yeah, he can make all the throws. He, he's got some weapons. They now have the the emergence of the transfer from Dartmouth in Drew Estrada, the Ivy League guy who was not really a healthy early of the year. He gives them another possession receiver. They've got the deep threat in Taequann Thornton and R.J. Sneed. Uh, it's not like they throw a lot of deep passes, but last week they started to open it up. and They've opened it up a little bit before, but that's a crazy stat and, a, and an incredible stat for a guy that really hasn't played much football entering this season.
0: So just looking at the stats, I mean, they've got five guys in the receiving core – Who, including their tight end uh, excuse me, excluding their tight end he's the one guy of the top six receivers who doesn't have a 40 yard play and you say they don't throw it deep much, so is it a bigger deal for them going over the top or is it a bigger deal for them to hit on short and medium passes and then the other team doesn't tackle well, takes a poor angle, whatever and they break a big play off that
1: They've done that. R.J. Snead in a game earlier this year caught like a quick little out got a block, broke a tackle and went I want to think 70-plus yards, whatever it might have been. I can't remember the exact distance. Uh, and what I loved about it is you saw guys running downfield with him, making blocks. Any long play, running play, or passing play, there's going to be a wide receiver most likely, unless it's just one of those fourth-and-one short-yarded situations where you break the line of scrimmage and you're gone. Uh, the, the play last week to Tyquan Thornton uh, was, a again, like a 15- or 20-yard throw. He turns, gets away, gone. They've hit the deep post to Tyquan Thornton as well. Uh, ben Sims, the tight end, has caught a few passes in that 30-plus range. In fact, had one, I think, last week in, in in the win that they had against West Virginia. They can air it out. He can throw the deep post. He can throw the deep fade. But it's not like when, when they had that, that constant just scare the hell out of your defense and secondary by throwing it over the top under the, the years of Art Bryles. This has been more of a pro-style offense, just like Brigham Young. And they have receivers who have become dynamic after the catch. And last year, other than R.J. Snead, Tyquan Thornton was pretty much not even existent. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact they just couldn't get in the ball. And and so now they've got guys. And, then and yet, you know, that's kind of like turnovers on the defensive side. It's kind of contagious. It's it's become contagious. Now everybody wants to be that guy that goes 50-60. Of course, everybody does. But it's, if you get one of those, two of those early in the year, where you actually catch what is a 60, 70-yard touchdown, but it's a 50-yard run after the catch, that becomes contagious, and I think that's happened as well. They'll throw it over the top, but they just don't live and die with that.
2: When I look at an offensive coordinator who's an old offensive lineman, it doesn't really surprise me that they're able to run the ball because that's what those guys want to do. And I look at both of these guys, the top two running backs, they're having all sorts of success there. Uh, How much do you think that it's just the philosophy versus what they had last year that is leading them to have success at running running the ball?
1: They had, uh, they, they, they've had two transfers. Grant Miller, young man, came in, uh, you know, a, a transfer from Vanderbilt. And then they, uh, Jacob Gall came in from Buffalo. And everyone knows Buffalo last year had one of the best rushing attacks in the country. Their coach now at Kansas, and he brought a couple of linemen with him to KU. Uh, I, I think the combination of an offensive coordinator who's an offensive line coach and his running buddy, Eric Mateos, at the same time, uh, and they went to the wide zone. Uh, and, and it's given and they found the people who can run it They that they've taken what they have as offensive linemen. Now they had to change a lot, and including what people had to do. They got a left tackle and Connor Galvin is really, really good and they have a couple of transfers who are you know grown men uh, that have come in and given them a little oomph as well and, and then other guys just got better. I remember having a conversation it might have been either during or after spring drills with Eric Mateos. I said Tell me, in you know, some coaches it's weird. They come in and they don't even watch film for the previous year. They don't want to see bad habits. They don't want to have any kind of uh, pre, uh, misconceptions or whatever. He told me he did not think last year or the line that they had after spring drills was a talent issue. He thought it was just a commitment issue. Like some of these guys had their clocks ticking. The left guard in Xavier Newman has been hanging around. He had to play early as a freshman when they had that 1-11 team I mean, he's like an 18-, 19-year-old kid playing college football on the offensive line, which is basically unheard of. And he thought it was more of a commitment issue. In other words, they had to get tougher. They also – and they, they changed strength and conditioning, Coach. That makes a difference as well. There's just something about that. You know, some guys can get to players and some can't. And, and then also on top of that, those, some of these offensive linemen were just kind of there. And I think Mateos was able to kind of get inside their head, some of it psychological, some of it with – you learn how to coach individuals differently, and they've just kind of become pretty good. Uh, and and now the wide zone that that changes up, uh, people run it. It's not like that's new, but it's different. And it, it's, it's it's allowed what they have with who they have, which maybe they weren't able to just overpower people with what they had. Now they can get the defense kind of sliding, have the cut back, the one cut with Ebner or uh, with uh, uh, Abram Smith, and it's working. I. I I think Jeff Grimes' mentality, what is it, um, uh, he wants it to be violent. He wants the offense he use that word as a term. I can't remember what it was, but it's violent. And when I heard him say that, now sometimes coaches say that. That doesn't mean you can do that. But that's what we never, whoever covered Baylor or covered Baylor as an opponent, whatever, There was no violence. The defense played that way, but the offense just had nothing. It was almost like a pillow fight. That's not to be negative and try to be critical of young men, but it was almost the way they played on the offensive line. They were manhandled, and it was kind of like they just had nothing. No oomph at all. Grimes came in and said, that's not going to happen anymore. We're going to change it. And along with Mateos, that's what they've done.
0: Yeah, we've heard that about teams that throw the ball a lot. That when you're pass blocking, you're not that aggressive, you're not that violent. He likes the uh, phrase, R, the letters RVO, reliably yeah. violent offense. Yeah,
1: Reliant, yeah right, exactly right. He said that very early. We had him on right after he was hired. And when I heard that, I was like, I just like the sound of that. Now, hey, listen, we we weren't sure – we watched spring drills, and there were still some hits and misses, and, and there's going to be times they run into a brick wall. Well, now they have a quarterback who can air it out a little bit more. And, and, and you got again, they've made some changes. Two new transfers, grown men, come in to help you with your depth and even starter's on the offensive line. You take a linebacker who was an all-state running back at West Texas at, at Abilene High School. You move him from what was running back to linebacker, and then somebody says, we need somebody that can run this type of offense at the back position other than Tristan Ebner. They lost John Levitt to Penn State, who would have been perfect for this. And, they, you know, that's a coaching decision. That's noticing what you might have. And also someone went to Dave Aranda and said, you know Abram Smith played running back at high school, had like 5,000 yards. For them to make that decision, he's having a very good start to this season, was also a great coaching decision as well.
0: David Smoke joining us, host on Sikkim 365 Radio. This Baylor defense, in a sport where 30 points is an average number for an offense to score, they've given up 29. That's a season high in a 31-29 win over Iowa State. They've given up a little less than 18 points a game, which is 21st in the country. What is going to be the biggest problem here for the BYU offense to solve with the Baylor defense?
1: They're really, really fast. Uh, and, and again, sometimes size beats speed. Sometimes speed overwhelms size. So that's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I uh, they they pick off passes. They they bring people from different angles. They have that kind of hybrid. I they, they call it like the jack position. Heck, it might be called the star. It's a star position. You know, everybody has their own little terminology for kind of that hybrid linebacker safety position. Uh, they're they're really very disruptive. They have a defensive a nose tackle uh, in, in Siaka Ika. He came in. He's a transfer from LSU, 350 whatever you want to call him, pound guy that started the last two games to make some plays, made a huge play against Iowa State, a deflection for an interception, but he had a couple of sacks last week in their win against West Virginia and got really disruptive. He kind of is the motor. Now, Terrell Bernard and Jalen Petrie, 2-8, uh, and eight, they're the ones that really are, are the big play guys that, that really are the ones you have to worry about because they're both coming from different angles. But the big nose tackle inside, you guys know that. If you have somebody that can kind of help control or take up some people inside, that lets everybody else, especially if you have speed run. They have a ball hawk secondary. That doesn't mean they haven't been beaten. Uh, they did get pushed around by Oklahoma State who ran the ball right at them and hurt them quite a bit. In fact, beat them up in the first half. But I think that's kind of challenged in a lot of ways, kind of their manhood. And I think that they they had to watch that the the next day, and I think that kind of helped them get uh, kind of fired up for what they had to do against West Virginia, who has struggled running the ball, and they struggled against Baylor as well. Brigham Young established the line of scrimmage. We know that's what it is. It's it's not a mirror image of what both teams are doing, but it's very similar. To me, whoever can run the ball most effectively, uh, obviously there's always the intangibles, but against the Baylor defense, they did... Iowa State ran the ball well. Brees Hall, who's an All-American type guy, ran the ball pretty well. Oklahoma State ran the ball pretty well. So if Brigham Young can get that, and they've got the running back that we know is so solid, just kind of a grinder. Uh, So to me, that's what Brigham Young's going to have to be able to do because if you do that, then that maybe Ben Hall can, can make the throws he needs to make uh, wherever he or whoever is playing the quarterback position this week to make the plays that they need to make to what are, uh, and Dave Aranda mentioned this, a uh, deep set of wide receivers. So it's going to be fun. I, I, think it's a, I think this is going to be a knockdown, dragout out football game that might actually have some points in it, but I, I think that's Brigham Young's got to be able to establish a running game. And last week, West Virginia couldn't do that.
2: So what's going to be a bigger attraction Saturday afternoon in Waco, BYU, Baylor, or Magnolia Way?
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I'll tell you this. In, in 2010, when I arrived in Waco, and I've been through Waco, i done games here before, uh, you know, it really was a city that struggled. And there's been things that have happened here that have not been great. Um and then RG3 comes along, and Brittany Griner in that 40-0 women's basketball team, and she's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime player. And it, it kind of brought some energy to this city. But uh, honestly, wherever I would travel, like every year I'm fortunate to go do the show for a week, wherever the Super Bowl's played. And, and I remember the first time I was on the road, the first Super Bowl I covered when I got here in 2010 – you know, there was a few people that brought up a couple of the tragedies in Waco. The next year I traveled, they said, "Hey, tell us about RG3 and Brittany Griner." Now wherever I go, tell us about Chip and Joanna and, and the silos in Magnolia. And I mean, it is it has re it has energized the, the 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 sports athletic teams at Baylor in the early parts of the 2010 uh, decade. Energized the city, brought some people from Waco that maybe were always kind of felt separated from Baylor. They always called it. Back in the day, the Baylor bubble—it brought the community. People love to see people win. People love dynamic players. Well, there's not much more dynamic than Robert Griffin III, uh, who's broadcasting the game this weekend, and Brittany Griner, who's in the WNBA finals. But business-wise, the facelift of Waco, Texas, McLean Stadium, for example, which is you know was built and started in 2014, and, and what they've done downtown Waco—and they got a lot of work to do. And the construction up and down 35, which runs right through the spine of the city, is just a mess. But that business, what they've done, has completely changed the face of downtown Waco. And now that is as big an attraction as anything that has. And there's others, but that one right there, no question. It's made a big difference in Waco's economy.
0: I don't think... I can help the economy in this area. Maybe I'll be there for some games one day. I might be able to help that way. Magnolia Lane isn't going to do it for me.
1: It's a, it's, a, it's a hard place to get into, and if you walk in, you walk up to it, and there's these two big, like, metal silos that just stick right out of the ground, and they've turned that thing into a business. It's, like, so... And, of course, the TV shows and stuff like that. It's incredible. If they put their name on a toilet, they'll sell it. it, it it's... Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane. And in in a good way. And uh, people have flocked from all over the place. It's amazing. And because of that, then of course you have to build more hotels and there's 55 more hotels. It seems like that we're here than 10 years ago. It's, it's fun. I'll tell you what, Waco's had a lot of bad things. Waco takes a lot of shots. It's not what anyone, someone hasn't been here in five or six years. They would be blown away by what they see now, other than Again, the, the constant construction on I-35, which is a disaster. <laughs>
0: all right, David, we'll leave it there. We appreciate you joining the show once again and looking forward to the Big 12 and talking to you again down the road. Well,
1: let me tell you something, guys, that I mean this sincerely. Our talk show back at the end of July, when all that went down with Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC, our talk show on YouTube exploded. And a lot of it had to do with the Big 12 trying to survive. And I'm telling you right now, it is every. There's so many people are thrilled with Brigham Young being a part of the Big 12. Basically, almost like now, like Cincinnati now. Uh, and, and it's 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 something yeah. that I think this weekend is almost a celebration in a way. First time they played since '84, and also the factor on the schedule—the same year that the, all heck broke loose. I uh, I think it's great. I, I talked to Grant Tapp, the former Baylor coach, about the last time they played. In 83 and 84, uh, this is this is going to be a, a celebration. I don't know who wins. going to be a hell of a game, but I do know this. I think everyone really, really looks forward to the best non-conference game they've had at McLean Stadium or in Waco in a long, long time, and the fact that Brigham Young is going to be a part of the conference. People are thrilled with it.
0: David, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again down the thank road. You. Enjoy the game.
1: You too. David
0: That's Smoke, fair. host on Sikkim 365 Radio. And PK, it is not an exaggeration to say this is the best non-conference game they've had in this stadium. They haven't lost a non-conference game in a decade. TCU got them. Uh, but basically, they they play uh, smaller teams from Texas they know they're going to beat. I think Duke has been their big intersectional game in the last decade. So it'll be a big deal, and it's got the added intrigue of this is going to be a conference game down the line. Yeah. Isn't that just,
2: I don't know what the right word is, ironic, but how timely yeah, when you schedule this series that this is going to be what it's going to uh, occur in a couple of years and they make the big announcement over the or what, I guess it was in September, and going forward there they're, they're going to be. And I think. I think the Big 12 is revitalized. It's basically, all right, Oklahoma, Texas, you don't want to be here. Get out. Now, they've got to keep them you know, to make sure that they get the money and they'll figure that all out. But I think the folks, and this is from a distance, but just listening to him talk, uh, that the folks are really excited about the programs coming in because they're all, to one degree or another, big-time programs. I mean, it's not like... Let, let's face it. Colorado was a big-time program, and Utah was on the verge. And to it, you could argue that they were, because uh, they'd had some undefeated seasons in football. We're speaking of, and basketball had been pretty good. But you're bringing in these four programs that they're all recognizable. So basically, it, it's I, I I think the Big Twelve would just as soon let Oklahoma and Texas go, as long as they give them their money, because money talks, and then get these programs in as soon as possible and get on with it, because I think it has the potential to be exciting.
0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show coming up next. Stay with us.